Hey, everybody. We're back after like a two-week break. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. this is kind of interesting because the last thing we reviewed also was all about music. Yeah, and it was also jukebox music as well. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I think this one is better. <laughs> hey, buddy. No, no chewing. Uh-oh. No chewing out a while. No. Hey. Okay. So, uh, Interstellar 555. Five, five, this was one of your recommendations. Yes. Because there are some people who don't know about this. And because uh, it was a bit tricky for me to track this down, but uh, someone uploaded it to YouTube. Yeah, that's how I watched it. Because I think you can get it on Amazon, but you have to pay for something else. I'm like, oh, thank you. Just let me pay for it. Yeah, I don't want to pay for another streaming service. Yeah. I'll just buy it. Yeah, so um, so the full title is... Title, okay, I'm going to... So the number five is a big theme in this, but... um. It's supposed to be the story of the secret star system, but they replaced all the words with five. And I'm like, why? So it's like the five toy of the five feet grid, five toy, five (laughs) system. I don't know why they did that. But um, so now some people might have heard of this. If you're like a really big Daft Punk Punk fan, it's like, who the heck is Daft Punk? Well, we're going to get into that. Um. Mm-hmm. So this is Interstellar 5555 is a animated sci-fi musical based on the works of Dev Punk, specifically the album Discovery. This is what I think they call like a, a concept movie. That might be the wrong term, but see. Um, Companion movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sometimes people will, we talked about this in the last, um, in the last uh, episode, people will sometimes take music from a artist or a, a band and make a visual companion to their music. In fact, um, I think another popular example of this is Janelle Monet with Dirty Computer. Dirty Computer goes with the album of the same name. It's really good. Highly recommend it. So it's like, um, um, there's also a game I played called Sayonara Wild Hearts where they made the music to go along with the game. So it's like, you know, you take the music, you maybe listen to it and try to figure out a story for it, or you make the story and then maybe have the music go with it. Oh, another good example is um, Formation, that album by, uh, uh, the, you know, like, wait, what was the name of that album? Shoot. It's by Beyonce, but it was, um, no, Lemonade. There was also a bunch of music videos strung together to go with it. So... This is, um... And lest we forget, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yep, yeah, that's probably the most popular example is Pink Floyd's The Wall. It's probably that one, yeah. So, um, this was, again, done by Daft Punk. Daft Punk is was an electric duo from Paris consisting of Thomas Balcutter Bal- and Guillaume Emmanuel de Homain Cristo. I hope I said that right. They're French. <laughs> I don't know French that well. Well, I barely str- I struggle with English myself, so uh, no need to be ashamed. <laughs> so uh, the film was originally going to be live action with themes about overcoming oppression and rebellion, but when this director was spa- was scrapped entirely, the band felt it could be repurposed as an animated movie. They had experimented with several different animation styles before settling on anime, 
And they had uh, quite an experienced artist in mind to help cover this vision. And the late veteran Japanese manga artist, Le Eji Matsumoto. Oh, he, oh, who was a film supervisor, sir. Yeah, he's now, Matsu, a, um, yeah. he's kind of a legend in anime and manga. Go ahead, Jad. Particularly the uh, genre of the space opera, mm-hmm. where he worked on on a manga as an adapt move anime adaptations such as Bat, Space Battleship Yamato and Galaxy Express Nine Nine Nine. Those are sort of considered to be like some of the most iconic animes of all time. Um, he has a very distinct style too. Buddy, what are you doing behind that TV, yeah? Man, Buddy is not buddy. behaving today. Buddy. Buddy, well, come on. Uh, hang on a second. Buddy. Uh, oh. Hey. Buddy. Buddy. Buddy is not buddy. listening to Jad even before we no. we no. started. He was Jad. not behaving. Uh oh. Come on. Come on. Oh no. Uh, seriously, you're going to go all limp on me? <laughs> Come on. Get out of there. I'm not editing this out. <laughs> There's a bunch of electrical bars and stuff that could shock you. <laughs> buddy. Hey. I adore Buddy. Hey. Even though I've never met him in hey. person, I consider Buddy to be our mascot. Buddy? He's also the mascot Buddy. of Super Bonus Round, like unofficially. Buddy, come on. Buddy. Uh oh. Buddy. 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 Come on. Buddy is not <gasps> behaving today. I don't know what's going on with him. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. He is. <laughs> He is in a mood. He is. Did he bite you? No, he just refuses to come out, and now he's underneath that TV cabinet. As long as he's safe. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, the animation was produced by Toei Animation, and they have quite an impressive resume. Hey, they worked on anime adaptations of popular manga franchises such as Dragon Ball, One Piece, Sailor Moon... And they even co-produced the uh, anime series Miraculous, Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, which is still going on for some reason. They also, you know, are working on One Piece and, like, you know, they're um, responsible for a lot of, like, you know, Transformers stuff. So, again, mm-hmm. they, you know, they got people who knew, understood what they were doing, so. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so... While this doesn't have any speaking in it, the characters still have names, but see, like, the thing is, I was thinking when I was watching it, you know, I am comparing it to Space Odyssey since we watched that last time. Mm-hmm. I think the reason this one works better is because the characters feel stronger, in my opinion, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it's a more coherent story. Yeah. Again, even though nobody really talks, it's all done through, like, like visually. They did a good st- job of conveying the characters' emotions without any speaking. Oh, definitely. Um, we also... Okay, so starting out, I just want to say we don't know the name of this planet. Um, all we know is everybody is uh, blue. And I, mm-hmm. I'm guessing music is really important because it starts off with um, a keyboardist named Octave, a guitarist named Arjipegius, a drummer named Beryl, and the bass player Stella. 
and they're pl- oh like the teller in the Stella. <laughs> okay, go on. And they're playing one more time, which is the um, I think this is the first song on Discovery. Um, a lot of per- people have heard the song. It's one more time. We're gonna celebrate. Oh yeah, like like it was a really big song for a while. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Apparently, they consider this song to be a link connecting their previous studio album homework to Discovery. Um. And everything is fine until out of nowhere, the ship comes and invades the planet, and then we're sent into Aerodynamic, the next song. There's no like singing in this one. It's just um, music, and it a bunch of funky music, yeah. yeah. And it it uh, suits it really well. Now um, we then go to a pilot named Shep, and apparently Shep has a big crush on Stella. I'm not sure if he used to see. He's a, he's an alien like the um, four we mentioned. He just wasn't on the planet. He was in his own ship that is sp- uh, shaped like a guitar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and he's uh, daydreaming about uh, St- Ella until he hears the distress call off on the planet about the kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And it's and this scene is also uh, sing to uh, the other song "Digital Love." Another song I like, and even sings a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why he follows the, a ship through a wormhole, and and this is where things get a. <laughs> a little bit trippy, like uh, uh, the band is taken to some uh, facility where they're stripped of their alien clothes. Most to get hit by these little pellets of paint shooting out to make them look more human. Like and it's all themed. I guess it's like semi-permanent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, it's all sing to the song, "Are the Better, Faster, Stronger." Another popular one, which was a really catchy song. And it also seems like this facility is also altered with the memories. Like, it's, it's, uh, it changes their memories to remove any references to the alien planet so they believe they're human. Mm-hmm. And, and they have these glasses put on them, which is supposed to be a yeah, mind controlling device. I said all their memories are stored on some kind of, uh, disc. Uh, you remember compact discs? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, and like, who's doing all this? There's this, um, this really evil manager guy. We'll figure out who he is later, but he kind—he has this really wacky oh, hair. Oh, dead Darkwood, according to Wiki. Yeah. Um, he kind of reminds me of what is the name of that guy from Megamind, uh, Mega Man, uh, the, the Doctor Wily. Doctor Wily. Yeah, he's got this this big weird hair. Um. Sense mm-hmm. mustache. Mm-hmm. Um. And so this is sort of like, I guess, your typical evil, like, producer kind of thing. Because, um, see, there's a record label owner, and he's not a bad guy. We'll get to that later, but, like, this producer is super evil because it's like, not only did he brainwash them, but it's like they can't, they can't rest at all. They're forced to do whatever he says. We see a scene where the four uh, members of the band who are now called the Crescent Dolls are, like, exhausted. Like, they're trying to sign a bunch of, um, what do you call them? Uh, uh, photographs. But, but it's, for, uh, okay. And they're exhausted. Like, they can barely do it. 
Yeah, and the, the entire time they look absolutely miserable. Like, mm-hmm. oh boy. They don't smile at all. And no, not once, don't they? It's a moment. And, and uh, Sam manages to arrive on, on Earth and makes his way to the city in disguise in a cloak. Okay, as he learns what happens to the band. Because they're everywhere. And because oh, yeah. he like, yeah. it makes it seem like they're they were bigger than like Michael Jackson and the Beatles and like all this stuff. Because th- this band literally is everywhere. The videos are being played everywhere. There's posters everywhere. They are like the biggest mm-hmm. band to ever happen. And uh, don't like concert at a massive stadium event. Uh, Steph manages to. Uh, I sneak into the crowd, I think, and he starts firing some kind of device that uh, to freeze the band for the mind control or glasses. But uh, before well, they can uh, do anything about it, but however, Stella's still under the mind control, and before they can save her, they're chased out by uh, these robotic bodyguards. Uh, and it's a big car scene themed to super to song superheroes. Yeah, like, uh, one of the cars, they're not watching where they're going, and they hit an oncoming truck, and the car just flips up, it's, like, totally destroyed, and see, we don't know these people are robots until they come out of the car, and their bodies are all messed up, but they're still moving, and unfortunately, Shep gets shot. He gets shot in the shoulder, and he starts to bleed, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like good blood. Yeah, and... You know, sadly, they're not able to take him to, you know, hospital. Because for one, he's an alien. And two, they're on the run. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Stella, however, is still under mind control. And as he's still doing publicity, basically, see, a card draft from Darkwood's cat, or that with a address for his manor that she hides in her dress. That's... Or rather, her boob window. <laughs> yeah, she just puts it in between her boobs. <laughs> and the dress she's wearing and is also, like, really revealing. I'm like, where did she hide that? Because I don't think she was wearing yeah. a bra. <laughs> yeah, and doing a, a word show with Daft Hot Punk <laughs> even making a cameo. Oh, uh, Stella's awarded a gold record, which is a really big deal in the music industry. That's a real thing, I think, isn't it? Golden records? I think like sometimes yeah. if you like win a certain status, you get a like golden record. Yeah, if it's a yeah, if you sell a certain number of co- amount of copies, mm-hmm. you get a gold record, and then there's platinum, which is even higher. Oh yeah, that's right. Platinum is the highest you can get. Thankfully, Beryl was in the audience um, posing as like a photographer, and he frees Stella. And, okay, so this part I thought was kind of funny, because, like, Stella's up on stage, she somehow sees Beryl, and he's like, hey, c-, you know, he motions to, like, follow him, and she just leaves the stage, and, like, nobody was <laughs> watching her? <laughs> She's just like, okay, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, and so the band returns to Shep, and Shep reveals a true identity to the band, and through this little wind-up Troy, which I think was much for the home planet. I and think so. It's kind of It seems to the song something about us, and it's like, oh, oh, hang on, Sneeze coming out. Sneeze. <laughs> Zoom tight. Yeah, thank you. And 
It's like, I think during his final moments, he's fantasizing about what a relationship with her would have been like. Yeah, like, they share some sort of, um, like, vision together, and it's really, really sweet and really sad at the same time, because he unfortunately dies. They don't have any way to save him, you know, and they're still on the run trying to avoid the, the evil manager dude. So it's just, it's really, really heartbreaking to watch. Because he finally gets to yeah. meet her, and then he he dies. Yeah, and at least they were able to give him a burial, which yeah. was still sad. And um, somehow, like, when he um, is buried, the, uh, I guess his spirit goes up into space. So it's like, it's really bittersweet. It's like he into gets... Into space heaven. Yeah, he gets to go home, but, you know, unfortunately, he has passed away. Um, also... When he died, some flowers bloomed in his um grave, so that was like really pretty. <laughs> and it's not just Stella and, uh, who's upset; the other members are upset too because he saved them. Oh, definitely. He saved them all. So. And uh, the only clue of what to do next is the cards that I held on to with the uh, directions to uh, Dark Manor. Darkwood Dark Manor. Manor. No, because see, they were driving, and all of a sudden, they back up, and there is a sign saying, like, this way to Darkwood Manor. And I'm like, if I'm evil, I kind of don't think I would, like, have my manor, like, advertised where it is. I don't know. I don't think this villain's that smart. <laughs> no. And that's when, uh... uh where they arrive to the manor and find a secret room to, and find out that uh, Darkwood was has been has been alive for quite some time because uh, throughout the centuries he been kid, his family's been obsessed with outer space he's an interstellar trapper and he's been kidnapping aliens disguising them as humans brainwashing them and forcing them to come to perform music. Yeah, like see, it seems like when he was young, what happened is his father was, I think, maybe killed by a meteor. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I think maybe the meteor made um, him immortal. I'm not sure because, see, we see him, like, with someone who I think is supposed to be, like, a, a young Mozart. Uh, we see him with, like, a, a jazz singer, um, uh, like, a bunch of other artists. So he's been around for years. Um and the reason he's been... Now, here's the thing. The reason he is kidnapping aliens specifically, they don't explain it, but I think it's because, like we said, his family is obsessed with space. So maybe someone said in order to rule the universe, which is what he wants, you have to specifically use aliens. Mm-hmm. And, uh... He's, his end game is to collect 5,555 5, gold records to power some type of machine in which will help him accomplish that. Why? We don't and, really know. <laughs> and also, oh, that everyone who, every mu alien musician who helps him obtain that record, he sacrifices into a lava pit in this big underground cult-like setting. Yeah, this guy's a dick. <laughs> And just as when the band is captured and he's about to place a final gold record onto the machine, and the machine also requires that Stella be sacrificed in order to power to, 
or uh, accomplish some to complete a ritual or to unlock the gold records powers uh, I guess and <laughs> your guess is as good as mine yeah but they don't out upon a record into the lava chasm and Darkwood jumps in under it like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Archer Pentius tries to save him. I'm not sure why. I guess he's just a cool dude like that, but the, he loses his grip on the the cloak that uh, Darkwood is wearing, and he dies. Yeah, and what's even more over the top is all the henchmen follow uh, just run in after him and fall into the lava chasm too. Maybe it was something it's... like they were programmed to do if he died. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. And so the like, I think the lava starts to flow. So they're trying to escape. They manage to escape in the van that they have. Um, yeah, and the entire manor just collapses in of itself. Yes, and this is done to the song Veritas. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, For this crow. Yeah, but it um, there's also a book that has that on there. Um, now apparently this is um, it's um Latin. It's um supposed to stand for very disco, which in turn says discovery. So I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. So, you know, they've managed to escape. They have decided to um, go back to the record company. Now, when we get there, we see the dude who's in charge of the labels, like, watching a video of them. He looks kind of sad. The record label dude in this is actually not a bad guy. He actually seems to be pretty decent. Because, see, what happens is Octave goes into the record label. He Yeah, to steal their uh, memory disks. Yeah, he, they, remember, they know where the discs are, and it is under, like, a uh, the master recording of One More Time. Okay, so this part was kind of funny. There was some, like, janitor dude. Now, Octave is really tall, so he grabs this really short, like, janitor and knocks him out and manages to wear his clothing. And the guards don't realize it until later that this dude is, like, suddenly, like, grew a few feet. Yeah. <laughs> These guards are not good at their job, by the way. They're watching sports. <laughs> yeah. They need to be fired. <laughs> And unfortunately, Octavia gets tased by them and knocked out by the guards, but that's when they start to realize that uh, uh, there's paint covering his body, and they start to see his natural blue color. Yeah, like, I guess the shock somehow caused the paint gets, to be destroyed? Caused the paint to melt off somehow. I guess. Um, and... <laughs> I find this, well, I don't find this part weird. I just kind of was like, unfortunately, this would never happen in real life because what happens is um, Octave had a few of those um, pieces of the book in his uh, pocket. When he uh, falls over, the record label guy sees him. And I don't know how, but like everybody agrees to like help the Crescent Dolls because it's been they've been ex say hey everyone guess what the Crescent Dolls are actually aliens like it's on the news and everything they're talking about how um you know they talk about how they got here and everything and everybody's just like okay let's help them <laughs> yeah like uh this they have way too much faith in humanity yeah see I think the thing is is because they also explain the situation that Unfortunately, other aliens had 
come to earth and the same thing happened to them, I think what happened is I think people felt really guilty that they didn't do anything. Because I think, like, the record manager dude, I think the reason he helped him is because I think he probably feels guilty when he figures out what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, so uh, everybody's like, let's send the Crescent Dolls home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's a really big send-off. A lot of fans of the world are celebrating and saying goodbye to their favorite band. Mm-hmm. There's, like, some kids dressed up as them and everything. Um, it's actually really sweet. Um, I like it when um, Octave wakes up and he sees his bandmates and they're back to normal. Um, you know, at first he's like a little confused, but then he looks at him and he's like, oh, I'm back to normal too. And they go out and see like all these people supporting them. It is a really sweet little scene. Um, you know, people wave goodbye. The manager shakes their hand and they um, head up into space, but it's not over yet. The Earl is not yeah. completely dead. Somehow his essence is still alive. Um, he follows them into the wormhole and like engulfs their ship. But fear not, everybody. It's Shep to the rescue again. He, um, his essence is also there and he def- defeats the Earl and the band heads home. Um, and I kind of liked this scene where both the planet and the people on earth get to see the crescent dolls perform so they get to share the music with the world there's like they're showing scenes around the world there's like this little boy with sheep and the sheep are jumping up and down along with the boy i thought that was really cute um and then outside of the stadium there's a they gather to uh unveil a statue of shep and it's a really sweet scene um and then at the end i thought this was actually kind of cute some people probably really like oh this would piss me off but see we see this when we pan out from the planet we see a record and then as we pan out from that we see this little boy who's lying on the ground he is passed out he's fast asleep um and all throughout his room is daft punk music and kresden dolls like merchandise and little action figures yeah, like uh, hinting that the entire movie was his imagination has he was, like he was coming up with the story as he was listening to the album, which was cute. Yeah. I admit that. I thought cute. it was cute because see, at the end, his parents come in, they turn off the record, and they put him in bed. And next to him in bed is a little Stella and a little Shep. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cute! He's so adorable. And I know some people was like, oh, it was just a dream. That sucks. It's like, no, that was cute. I actually. Like that a lot. So, yeah, we enjoyed this a lot more than Rock Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, it just leads above Rock Odyssey. Like, really this was fun. The music was as catchier, and the visuals and story they were significantly better. Like, I was the characters. You could understand their uh, like personalities and he's more, and the story was more cohesent. Mm-hmm. Like, At least it, compares. Yeah, like, the story is still weird, but I still feel like, you know, Daft Punk and the people behind this are like, let's actually make a story to go along with this. Mm-hmm. While with Rock Odyssey, it didn't feel like they had a... It felt... You know, in a way, it kind of felt unfinished. If that makes yeah. sense. Like, it should have spent a, another draft working oh, on it. Oh, yeah, it definitely needed another draft. While this, it just feels like 
you know, the story is more cohesive. Like, this is a big thing with, you know, musicals, especially like jukebox musicals. You need to make sure that the songs are working in tandem with the story. Definitely. One can't be doing more work. So what would you give this out of five stars? Uh, let's see. I'm debating between either a four or three and a half. Like, uh, mm, ah, what the hell? I'm feeling generous for. Like, the music was really catchy, and the animation and and, and visuals were really eye-catching and mm -hmm. trippy. Oh, yeah. Hey. I would say... Hey, and definitely... Uh, one of the better jukebox oh, musicals yeah. out there. I would also give this a four. Like, it is really beautiful. And I also feel like when it comes to electronic music, I think Daft Punk is probably, like, the most iconic electric, um, like, artist out there. So, you know, it's like, I don't know how you could dislike this. You're listening to Daft Punk and hearing, you know, fantastic songs and looking at some really great animation. It kind of would be nice if more, like, um, jukebox musicals sort of, like, maybe you know, un like, took a, a page out of their book just to, you know, be kind of be like, okay, this is how we do it properly. Like, this and Dirty Computer, I think, are some of also the best, um, like, visual companion pieces to, oh, and Pink Floyd's The Wall, like, companion pieces to albums. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now... Got to see your funny album behind the TV, buddy, eh? Are you done being a naughty kitty? Hmm? <laughs> Probably not. And out, oh no, don't go back, don't go. Ah, I should have kept my mouth shut. Oh boy, you jinxed it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna start off with the news. Oh yeah, news. the news. This is really, oh. really sad. Tony. Oh yeah, this one really hit. Yeah, this one hit too. Tony Bennett, master pop vocalist, dies in 96. Oh man. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, Tony Bennett was a legendary singer. Mm -hmm. uh, like, he's been, uh, like, he even uh, like, came out with a number one album at the age of 85. Yeah, like, he was still he, working. Yeah, even after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at 2016, he was still continuing to perform until, like, a couple years ago when he retired. He also did an album with uh, Lady Gaga. It is really great. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I know he was an older man, but it still really sucks because he was such an icon and he was such a like likable person. From what I understand, a lot of people really respected him. And he just had... Oh, yeah. He had such a career, you know, spanning decades. So it just sort of... Yeah. It sucks. And the equally talented late great Frank Sinatra also caught one of the best singers he's ever met. And that was probably, that's like a big, big endorsement because, you know, Frank Sinatra is mm -hmm. probably one of the most iconic vocalists of all time. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you added this. Oh, okay. Hey, let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yuji Naka, co-creator of Sonic the Hedgehog, found guilty of insider trading. <gasps> oh my gosh. So, <laughs> long story short, uh, after leaving Sega in around uh, 2006, Yuji Naka bounced back and forth on the different projects before settling in 
at Square Enix to uh, create the uh, universally panned Balance Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, uh, during his time at the company, he uh, heard that they were working on some big projects, so he decided to buy some stock in the company, from what I understand. And, and... Oh, this wasn't even the first time he pulled this off. This is like really? the two counts of insider trading. Oh my god! And we're going to Enix. Oh my goodness! And yeah, yeah. He even buys shares in a smaller developer who are working with Square Enix, and apparently, because of that deal, they made hundreds and. And he made hundreds and hundreds of yen. And now he's being sentenced for four to four years in prison. Oh my goodness. And for or inside of trading. They suspended then, the sentence, but I think what's really gonna get him is he's being hit with a one point two million fine. That converts mm-hmm. to a hundred and forty million yen. That's still a lot of money. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. His career is over. Yeah, like there's no way any company is gonna work with him. No. Like, what? You can just uh, profit off of our our work? Nah, fuck you. Well, it's not just the fact that he that he's profiting off other people's work. It's the fact that he did it twice. Yeah, he's oh, he's not coming back from that. No. Now we're gonna get into something kind of tasty. The fuel menus released for the global marketplace at Epcot International Food and Wine Festival for t- or uh, this year have been released. So we got some simmering sips hosted by Corksill. We got a ooh a guava cake with whipped cream and coconut. That sounds actually pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, like uh, Epcot is known for the festivals. Like it's supposed to feel like a. Uh, World's Fair, yeah. 20 going on 20 every day. Yeah, this, and, uh, this season, is why people go to Epcot. Yeah, and during the seasons, they even have best uh, food festivals. Uh, yeah. different things. Like, when I went earlier this year, they had the uh, Festival of the Arts. Then in spring, they have uh, the Flowers and Garden Festivals, where mm-hmm. they have all these uh, garden displays and topiaries. And during the summer and uh, fall, they have the Food and Wine Festival, which is considered the biggest one. That's super popular. Mainly because they have, yeah, they have international cuisine from all over the world and different showcases, food, cooking showcases. This sounds it's- delicious. I'm looking at like their beverages. They got a blood orange mimosa with sparkling wine and blood orange juice. Oh, a fisherman seafood pie. Oh my God, this sounds Canadian cheddar and bacon soup. Oh, oh God, I'm getting hungry. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the Canadian and cheddar and bacon soup is usually only served at the cellular, which is like the Canadian steakhouse. But the only time you can uh, get it without having to uh, uh, pay over the top to get a reservation at the cellular is during the food and wine festival. Mm-hmm. Like, this is and- why people go to Epcot is because like of the festivals. This is the one specifically. I'm just looking through all this. This all sounds so delicious. It's making me hungry. I know. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, and uh, for the first time ever, uh, the Muppet Labs is getting their own uh, festival. That's at the, right. The, it's going booth at the festival. The, the uh, a brew ring 
at the Odyssey Pavilion. That's going to be awesome. Specializing in uh, what else? Wings. <laughs> I love a good wing with some some ranch and some mm -hmm. celery. Yum, 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 yum. And of course, they have to have a Muppet Labs twist to it. Like uh, there's the scorching hot scotch bonnet pepper curry wings. Ooh. And uh, for dessert, ooh, they got a lot of uh, flavor themed hard ciders and beers and. <sighs> The one that looks weird to me is a pickle milkshake, though. No, thank you. Like, <laughs> no, I had only tasted pickle ice cream, never again. I love pickles and ice cream, but separately. I really yeah, want to exactly. take my fiancé to this one year because he's a, like a, a beer, hard cider like person. So I would like to, you know, get his opinion on it because um, I don't really drink beer. So, I mean, I would love to take him to this one year. Love a good cocktail. Okay, now we're getting into some less pleasant news. Yeah. Uh, GQ editor pulls article criticizing David Saslaw. And this is because he's producing a movie for Warner Brothers. Who is the editor I... or Saslaw? The editor. Oh, okay. You know what? That actually makes some sense. So, I mean, I can kind of understand... So, I mean, yeah, as much as I hate to admit it, this is kind of like a, you know, preservation thing, but it still really sucks. Yeah, apparently, uh, the original article is archived by, uh, uh, the internet, so it's never really gone, thankfully. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, Zaslov uh, just, I mean, he sucks in general, but he also comes off as someone who just doesn't get it. Yeah, like, he turned... When he turned Discovery and Animal Planet into a bunch of NTLC into a bunch of trashy reality TV shows. I'm waiting for him to get fired. It's taking uh, too with, long. Uh, how the Flash bombed, it's oh, only a matter of time. And how they keep making it bomb. They released it on like an NFT blockchain. I'm like, what made I you know, think that? I know, that's fucking suck. Why do you I, think that you, would be Do you know how desperate you have to be to <sighs> release an entire film as an NFT? Oh, God, that's how bad this is, guys. Warner Brothers is in so much trouble. Okay, we'll probably talk mm -hmm. about that later. But um, next, this is something... Oh, yeah. This is also something you added. Uh, Jad, I just learned this about him. He really loves Mortal Kombat. Um, the new game... Oh, yeah, I got into it ever since a reboot in 2009. And they showed off a new trailer that shows off... Of the Lin Kuei, which is like the ninja clan in the Mortal Kombat <sighs> universe. Okay, I'm watching it. It's on mute. But oh my gosh! Yeah, again, like, uh, I don't. Set in a new. Oh, sorry. I don't really play um like fighting games that much, but I really can't get over how cool this looks, like the detail and like from the characters to the backgrounds to like the the moves are phenomenal. Oh my goodness! Oh, some dude just exploded into a bunch of bones. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, Smoke and Rain are both returning, and since this is an alternate universe, us in a new timeline created by I, Liu Kang, and uh, Smoke seems to still be a Smoke Ninja, and he's voiced by Yuri Lonethog. Oh! Uh, he uh, voiced Chandler in Bug Snacks, mm -hmm. he uh, voices Spider-Man in the Sony Marvel games by Insomniac, he's the teenage voice of Ben Tennyson in the Ben 10 franchise, and... Probably best 
know him as Sasuke Uchiha from the Naruto yeah, franchise, he's a at least the English super, stuff. Super, super prolific um voice actor. He's been mm-hmm. he's been around for a while and he's still working too. I think he's also the voice of um what's the name of the, the gorilla from Overwatch? Um, let's see, Winston. Yeah, I think he's the voice of Winston. I'm not a I can't remember, but he's been working for a very long time. So that'll that'll be exciting. Why do I keep getting the bad who, news ones? Damn it. Let's see who voices him. Uh, no, that's uh, Crispin Freeman. My bad. Him. Okay. I got another piece of bad news. A verdict has been reached in the Microsoft versus STC trial. Microsoft has unfortunately won. Ooh. Yep. Uh, uh, they are, a judge for some reason decided to approve of the monopoly. <sighs> and it's going to be a nightmare yeah i'm not sure how to feel about this I'm, I'm really upset about this i was hoping we would stop doing this just because it screws everybody else over but i guess not oh well well on the bright side there's still the uh, lawsuit by the uk and uh oh that's right microsoft I that. is trying to appeal that and even tried to change the the uh oh apparently the uh judge on that ftc case uh has a uh, history of uh dismissing antitrust lawsuits damn yeah oh well i i just this needs to be fixed we need to stop allowing these massive companies to buy up stuff this is kind of one of the reasons i prefer to like support um independent stuff just because i I don't know it just feels like it i'm not giving my money to these massive corporations who just want to buy everything up Yeah, and I remember um, when John Harper did a story, he jokingly said he had to be careful because this was around the time that the parent company, Warner Brothers, was in the middle of negotiating in a merger of AT&T. Mm-hmm. Which somehow wasn't even worse than the Discovery merger. <laughs> How? I have no idea. Okay, I know I just read something, but I really want to read this because I'm excited for this. Can I read this one? Yeah, yeah, you. it's all yay, you. Yay, yay, The cast for Superman Legacy has been revealed. I am so excited. We're going to have Nathan Fillion, who has collaborated with um, James Gunn before. He was in the movie Slither. He was the hero in Slither. He's going to be playing Guy Gardner, who is super, like, annoying and obnoxious. So, like, Nathan Fillion's kind of good at playing those, like, really cocky characters. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember seeing him in an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bull. Yes. Nathan was, Fillion is a real is dick in that one. Perfect casting. Okay. Isabel Merced is going to be playing Hawkeye. Hawk, nah, not Hawkeye. Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl. And Ed, I'm going to try to say this right, Gathagi, um, is going to be cast, is going to play Mr. Terrific, um, which I am really excited for. Um, also, um, Court, oh, hang on, what's his first name? I haven't seen anything um, with the guy who's playing Superman, David Corswet, but I heard he's really talented. Um, he's playing... Soups, and then Rachel Brushanna is playing Lois Lane. Um, some people were freaking out about this, but I saw more people being like, oh my gosh, these guys are great. Like, everyone's saying that these are really good actors. And I think the guy who plays Superman, he looks a lot like Soups. Let's see. And oh yeah, you get rid of the beard. He, uh, he definitely looks like Superman. Oh yeah. 
Uh, the girl Rachel is also very pretty. Um, she's she was in the show The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, oh yeah, my dad watches that sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if she's the main character or not, but she. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Yes, she is. She's the title role. So this is someone who has some acting chops. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited about this. Um. I'm actually also excited about Mr. Terrific finally making an appearance. Also, hang on a second. Yeah, like I want to check something. James Gunn, uh, he loves to give the more obscure characters a time to shine yeah. in his uh, superhero movies. That's why I love his superhero stuff, because mm-hmm. I said this before, no one gave a crap about Polka Dot Man. Like, at all. Yeah. Until... Yeah, like... <laughs> but also, see, Ed Gathigy, he was Darwin in X-Men The First Class. Oh, and a lot of people have been really, really, really pissed off about how Darwin dies because his, like, thing is adaptability. Yeah, like, in the comics, from what I understand, he didn't die. Instead, turned into a bolt of energy that just went off into deep space before he eventually evolved into, like, basically a god. Yeah. But nope, he gets killed in the first movie, and a lot of people have been salty about that. So it's like, well... Yeah, Here's James Gunn to help him redeem his redeem his past. But also, this is another thing. Um, I'm looking at him on Wikipedia, and this is another actor who has like extensive um, Shakespeare experience because he was in As You Like It, Twelfth Night, Othello, and A Midsummer Night's Dream. And I'm just like, James Gunn really likes to use like Shakespearean actors and act and stuff, which I don't have a problem with. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like, I mean, I know for Thor, they got a, a people with Shakespearean backgrounds, which yeah. makes sense. Because also Kenneth Branagh is known for his Shakespeare adaptations. Mm-hmm. Like, before he was known for the first Thor movie. Okay, your turn. You also added this. Oh, yeah, and uh, this is going to be good news for all you uh, obs- horror or video game fans. Uh, Ray Ford, who the independent anim video game studio who have an impressive track record, they're doing a remaster of the cult classic horror adventure game Clock Tower. Now, I'm what is Clock Tower, you ask? I just want to say I'm excited about this. I've never played this game, but just looking at it, it looks like my yeah. type of game. <laughs> yeah, the game never originally came to America, that's why. Oh! Yeah, there were some fan translations over the years, but never an official release, and until oh. now, oh, anyway, this remaster... And a lot of people say it was one of the games that helped pioneer the survival horror genre. Like, like you have no way to defend yourself, an invincible enemy either stalking you throughout the entire game. Like, like, it would help set pave the way for a lot of later games like Resident Evil and Silent Hill and Alone in the Dark. Just looking at this sort of gives me Resident Evil vibes. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I I love horror games, so I'm always looking for new stuff. And it's a point-and-click horror game as well. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) I love point-and-click games, too. I'm adding this to my Uh, Steam wish list. (laughs) Definitely. And, uh, well, are you going to add this one to your Steam Steam wish list? It's on you. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is something I saw as a kid, but I never got a chance to play um but our friend john is really excited about this um the gex trilogy is coming back 
What is Gex? Well, imagine if James Bond was a, I think he's a, is he a lizard or a gecko? He's a gecko. Gex the gecko? Yeah, Gex the gecko. That's why he's called Gex. Um, yeah, he was, he, he was a created on the flood of uh, platforming characters in the 90s and okay. he was basically a, a lizard gecko who was a Basically a big old couch potato until well, he got one day an enemy he sucked him into his own television and he has to make his way through a bunch of, of channels to defeat him. Oh, okay. Alan Silfen was a big recurring theme throughout the trilogy, even as it made the leap to 3D. Oh, okay. So and it was developed by Chris Dynamics who would go on to make the Tomb Raider franchise. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, and uh, one thing that absolutely shocked me is at the end, I saw the Square Enix logo, and I said, whoa, 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 back the fuck up. <laughs> so Square Enix sold Crystal Dynamics and the rights to Tomb Raider, but they went, no, man, we gotta keep Gex. I mean, that's where the dick is. <laughs> that does seem kind of bizarre just because the last Gex game came out in 1999. That's years ago, and it... Yeah. I mean, it's exciting that this is coming... Back. They're releasing the trilogy, I think, on multiple platforms. But again, mm -hmm. the last game was in 1999. And, I mean, I'm looking at, the, like, the reviews. The reviews aren't fantastic, but it's like, I just, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about Gex in the past years. I'm not saying it doesn't have a fan base, but that just does seem very weird that, um, out of all the things to keep, <laughs> that's what they keep. All you need to know is that he was a terrible character that starred in some uh, pretty good platformers. Yeah, well, that's what more can you ask for? Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh yeah, this is another one I added, so... <sighs> Bob Iger is going to remain CEO of Disney through 2026. Like, they extended his contract by, like, two years. So, we're gonna talk about this more probably later. I'm not exactly sure how to feel about this. Yeah, it's because they haven't found a proper successor yet, and the dead the original deadline was looming. Yeah, I mean that kind of makes sense, just because I mean everybody knows Chappic was not a good fit. Like even Iger says no. it's his. He even says it's his greatest regret. Ah, that's yeah, just bad. and and I put all free public offense. Chappic got booed by fans. Like yep. that. So you really need to know about how unpopular he was. And I don't think... Chappick wasn't even CEO for a long time yet. It's like not even a full year later, on November 2022, the board of directors fired Chapik and brought Iger back as CEO. Because, see, Iger retired officially on December 31st. So not even a year had passed before uh, Chapik lost his job. That's just really sad. Yeah, and there's only... And, uh... As soon as taken over the company, there's only so much cost correction they can do yeah. after the previous tenure. And honestly, I think the reason we've been ha there's been so many like problems with Disney or at Disney is because of all the issues that happened with uh, Chappic, like all the problems. They're still sort of trying to, I guess, overcome that. Mm-hmm. Because like a lot yeah, of like Chappic's uh, focus on being. In a streaming only model, oh. it lost Disney millions. Yeah, not to mention, it was his idea to put, I think, uh, turning Red and Encanto on streaming. And yep. 
like also like th- how they dropped the ball with like Strange World and like Gear that was all traffic. Mm-hmm. And not to mention he shut down Blue Sky Studios as they were making uh, Nimona. Fuck you, Chapik. You sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so now for some good news. Stranger Things House announced for Halloween Horror Nights 32 at Universal Studios Florida, Florida aka Universal is just printing money. <laughs> they're just, they're making, yeah, like they're going to make bank. Halloween <laughs> is like the biggest uh, uh, time of year for Universal because for Halloween Horror Nights, they can appeal to a specific crowd that Disney couldn't with yeah. uh, all these these horror-themed attractions and houses. Mm-hmm. I think and they kind really go of... all out. That's why, um, like, I think that's sort of the reason why Disney bought, like, Marvel and Star Wars is because they were trying to get to the teenager demographic. Like, they were struggling. Because, like, Stranger Things is not something you would really let a kid watch. I would probably say, like, maybe a 13-year-old, but, like, under 13, don't. So, like, you know, they're not doing just Stranger Things. They also have a house inspired by the movie Chucky, um... The Last of Us, stuff like that. So it's like, you know, it and is they're some... going to be announcing more as the year goes on. Yeah, so this is something that they can do, but Disney cannot. I plan yeah, this is like on the like... Third... A... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. This is the third time uh, Stranger Things is getting a haunted house at Universal. I bet like, it's going to be awesome. They did, one, uh, they did one based on the uh, first season, then one based on seasons two and three, and... Nice. Now, uh... It seems like this is going to be based on the newest season that came out. See, I plan on next year planning so I can go to Universal just because I love haunted houses. I I work in a haunted house every year, and I freaking love it. So the thing is, is like when I go through haunted houses, I'm like, oh my god, everything is so cool. I'm not getting scared. I'm just like, everybody uh, yeah, looks so awesome. That's me. There was one, I, I watch the uh, haunted house walkthroughs every year, and... There was this one that was themed after a, a haunted uh, seaside fisherman's town, and there was one room where it looked like you were in the middle of an entire town square. Like, Ooh. holy shit, how did they fit all of this into one single room? You'd oh, be my, surprised. Amazing. I'm going to say this. The people behind haunted houses, the really good ones, they go all out. Mm-hmm. I remember also watching that clip of um, they did a, a haunted house inspired by uh, the film... Uh, us and Lapita Nyong'o went to the parks as her character and like scared people. It was awesome. Oh, awesome! Now this one you also yeah. added. Oh yeah, the Universal news doesn't stop. Uh, Fast and Furious is getting its own roller coaster at Universal. Like, I'm kind of surprised it didn't have one. Yeah, like it had a ride in Universal Orlando, uh... but that one is basically a glorified bus ride that uh, absolutely sucks it's like not worth it no like i fans hate it and the head of universal parts even said he regretted green light i didn't it oh jeez. okay um yeah. okay so i mean this makes sense because yeah like you fast and furious is a big franchise for universal and oh, yeah it makes sense that they is to make a more faster ride yeah and also, like as a roller coaster, I think it makes more sense. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about being fast. That's in the title. So this could be, you know, something that makes people want to come. And again, this is also something again for people who are not like really into the Disney scene. Yeah, like uh, uh, 
they got Mario there now, so that's oh, another yeah. thing that uh, can't put it. I kind of think that, like, with Mario being at Universal, that's going to cut into Disney's profits just because. Oh, definitely. Like, Mario's the biggest uh, game series ever. Like, even if I you've never played any of the games, you know who Mario is. Everybody knows who Mario is. Like, he's so synonymous with video games. Yeah. So, like, Universal has kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, come into its own when it comes to, like, theme parks in the past few years. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, they struggled with Disney, at, taking on Disney at first mm-hmm. in the Orlando area. And they were still making bank with the famous Hollywood tour, though. But ever since they got the theme park rights to Harry Potter, they mm-hmm. started to find a, a niche. Yeah, I think they. I think also Disney still regrets not doing that, just because. Well, I don't really like Harry Potter anymore. I'm not going to deny that the Harry Potter world looks phenomenal. Like they yeah, act, like you apparently know. There was, they understood the assignment. Said, they got yeah, it. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I love, love me a good butter beer. <laughs> okay, I added this one. I'm kind of. Cautiously optimistic. Kenneth Branagh reportedly directing Gargoyle's, fil- Gargoyles film for Disney. So this was back in the 90s, like when there was, you know, you'd come home the from afternoon. school. Yeah, you come home from school, you'd get a Capri Sun, maybe some Dunkaroos, and you turn on the TV and watch Gargoyles. Now, this was an animated cartoon that was a little more... Ad- it was more action-oriented, yeah. like uh, with... Uh, Warner Brothers making an, uh, a name for themselves with uh, DC animated shorts shows. Uh, Disney made the unprecedented decision to make their own action show. And it um, worked. Yeah, surprisingly it worked. It ran for three seasons and 78 episodes. And and it people still remember all the characters and it still has a built-in fan base. Yeah, I need to rewatch it. Um, it's been a long time, but... Basically, like, these um, gargoyles, the gargoyles, like, you see on buildings are actually real. Um, mm-hmm. So it, they're stone by day, and they come alive at night, and they somehow get um, transferred to Manhattan, where they come alive again. So it's them trying to understand, you know, the new world and everything. There's a romance between Goliath and a lady cop. It's It's fantastic. It still really holds up, so... This could be really good. It's just the thing is, is I really would like for Kenneth Branagh to go back to directing Shakespeare movies. I love him, but this will be like the third Disney film he has directed for Disney. It's like, can you go do something else? You're such a good director. Please? Oh, what else have he directed? Let me, uh... So, let's see. Um, trying to... Television... Okay. Henry... The Fifth, Dead Again, Peter's Friends, Swan Song, Much Ado About Nothing, an adaptation of Frankenstein, Hamlet, um, an adaptation of The Magic Flute. Um, oh, he actually has something coming out called The Haunting in Venice. Oh, yeah, he directed Thor. Yeah, he directed Thor and Cinderella. I didn't oh. know he directed Death of the Nile either. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, and... Death on the Nile and the Haunted Haunting in Venice, both by 20th Century Studios, or aka Disney. I didn't know. I have not heard about some of these other films, but it's like I, 
I don't mind that he, I mean, he's trying to get a paycheck and I respect that. It's like, I want you to do other stuff besides Disney. You're such a good director, please. And uh, we'll see if this gets off the ground. Uh, it might, I'd have some difficulty due to something else we'll be talking about soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think you added this one. Yeah, I just thought uh, these were really cute. <laughs> Star Trek Little People figures get first look. San Diego, uh, oh, this one, I'm feeling at San Diego Comic Con. Yep. Oh my god, they're adorable. Aren't they? So Little People, oh. I don't know when they started doing this, but they started releasing like Little People figures, but they're like stuff adults would want because they did like, I think the Big Lebowski, they did the Beatles. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's like, this is, oh, they did Friends, and it's just so, E.T., it's just, they're so cute, a lot of detail goes into them, it's like, and this is something you would buy for, like, a fan of this stuff, not for kids, this is not for the children, this is for the adults who like this stuff, um, and these look adorable, you got, um, let's see, we got Aurora, Sulu, Spock, and... On the back Fuck. of the box, it says, I find your argument highly un illogical. <laughs> These are super cute. If you guys, like, know someone who loves Star Trek, this would be, like, the perfect gift for them. Oh, I also hey. added this one. Disney Villainous reveals two new games coming in 2023. Now, Disney just has finally seemed to realize that people really love the Disney villains. And they have a series of games called Villainous. And Disney has decided to release two new games this year. So um, one is like a for, to help beginner players, which I should probably add to my wish list. It's called uh, Disney Villainous Introduction to Evil and then Disney Villainous Filled with Fright. So one of them has um, like Ursula on it. And they revealed like what the little pieces would look like. It looks like we got... Maleficent, Ursula, Captain Hook, and I think King John is the Prince last John, one. Yeah, Prince John, yeah, from Robin Hood. And another one is filled with fright, and it's got Oogie Boogie from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas on it. So this I'm looking forward to. I love to play games. I have so many games that I want to play with people. Like me and my friends do a, um, uh, like uh, we get together and just have a thing where we do specifically uh, board games. So this I'm excited for because also a lot of us love Disney. Ooh, but now we're getting to the big guns. Oh, oh, oh so uh, the SAC after is joining the Writers Guild of America in the strike. And right Hollywood now. is at a standstill. Mm-hmm. So yeah, should we explain this for maybe people who don't understand? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the Writers Strike started with uh. A lot of Hollywood studios pivot into streaming services, and they don't offer the same royalties and residuals as a lot of the, um, uh, cable TV networks when they do reruns and viewerships. And I remember seeing the actress, she showed how her residuals for all the oranges and new black watches, and it was only like $20. Like, yeah. Jesus. And she had been in a lot of the episodes. It wasn't just yeah, like, like a guest star. The list star. was even longer. It was really long um, with how many watches it's got. And yet she only got $28, for us, which is real shitty. And that was the show that put Netflix on the map. 
That it was probably mm-hmm. one of their most famous and watched shows. And, you know, she's getting paid, like, nothing. Like, what is she going to do with 20 bucks? And another big concern was that uh, all these major studios seem to show an interest in AI-generated scripts, which is just awful. That's a terrible like, idea. Absolutely AI cannot terrible. produce original work. It Mm-mm. it make it's all all the art and scripts from other material people. that's already out there on the internet. Yeah, like the guy the, who created Black Mirror, he tried to have an AI write an episode of Black Mirror, and he said it was absolute garbage. It just stole from the other episodes. So yeah, for some reason, all these studios are like, this is the way to go. It's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Another thing is they want to just scan actors likenesses and then like use that in perpetuity while the actors don't get paid like anything so yeah the whole thing is bullcrap so SAG-AFTRA you know they were in the middle of like negotiating with the studios and I guess the studios also didn't meet their um demands so now they're striking too Mm-hmm. And it's not just them. A bunch of other actors have joined in the strike. There's a bunch of people supporting them, um, which leads into our next um, article. Oppenheimer exits. Damien Blunt Murphy walk out of premiere as the strike starts. So Oppenheimer officially premiered. The movie is out now, but when it like appeared, like they did, you know, the special premiere event. As soon as like the SAG after strike started, um, they left. They said, we have to acknowledge, you've seen them here earlier on the Rep Talk carpet. Unfortunately, they're off to write their picket signs for what we believe to be an eminent strike by the SAG, joining one of my guilds, the Writers Guild, and struggle for fair wages for working members of the unit, said Christopher Nolan, who's also been very vocal about his support. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah, of people like- will probably be like, why does this matter? Well, it's like, because those are big name stars showing solidarity with the little people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I remember I saw that, uh, for the Haunted Mansion premiere, since all these stars were striking, you just had Disney characters walk the red carpet. Yeah, they got all, like, the villains who do the face, like, the face character villains, because nobody was walking the red carpet, and people were like, well, why? It's like, well, during the strike, you can't advertise your movie that you're in. Yeah, I saw that on the, on those daytime talk shows that... They only had, they were interviewing the directors instead of the stars. Mm -hmm. Because the directors aren't part of this union. This is the one specifically for actors. And if you're part of this union, you can't advertise your movie. You can't like do any press events, um, stuff like that. Because if you do, you're considered like a scab. And Mm -hmm. if you do that, you'll be kicked out of the union and won't be able to apply again. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, what am I going to watch? I'm like, there's so much stuff to watch, guys. The way Hollywood is trying to treat creative right now, creatives right now is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like, they think that they're just expendable. Yeah, when in reality, it's the other way around. We don't really need these CEOs. They're the ones who need us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that thing you sh- who, uh, shared where someone asked ChatGPT, <laughs> Could- are we able to replace the CEOs with AI? And yeah, surprisingly, it uh, gave an insightful answer about how how the CEOs' job are less important compared to the writers and actors. Because mm-hmm. see, I was talking about this. See, Bob Iger also came under fire because he said 
these people aren't being practical when he just like you know expanded his contract he makes apparently seventy five thousand dollars a day oh my god he is worth 27 million and he's probably one of the richest men in the world it's like you're the one who's not being realistic here and it's not like these people are asking for a lot they're asking just for more living wages yeah like it's not even like one percent of his wealth it's like ten percent less than that even this one's you. Okay, uh, so, uh, there's been a list of, uh, shows and films that are paused or shut down production during this strike. This isn't the strike all of them. End. This is a good, but a good chunk Yeah, of that list is gonna get longer, I can guarantee you. Mm-hmm. So, we got Deadpool 3, which is, was supposed to come out in May, but... That's not going to happen now. Yeah, it's probably going to uh, be like 2026, probably. Oh my God. And there's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2, who by Paramount, uh, a Gladiator 2? Yeah. Wait, we, did we really need this? No, we didn't. I thought the first Gladiator wasn't even good. And that came out years ago. Yeah. And uh, Life Actually Leader and Stitch, thank God. <laughs> Uh, there's rumors they might even be shut down. Oh, hopefully. And Venom 3 and Untitled Brad Pitt F1 film. Now, the list of shows is a little longer. We have Stranger Things, Cobra Kai, Big Mouth, American Horror Story, Yellow Jackets, Billions, The Chi, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, Hacks, Penguin, Duster, 1923, Severance, Metropolis, Daredevil, Born Again, FBI Most Wanted, Abbott Elementary, both Family Guy and American Dad. Mm-hmm. Dang. And finally, uh, shows have outright canceled episodes for months, weeks now. Oh, just, this is many of the late night talk shows and programs. Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Saturday Night Live, and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which hasn't had an episode in, like, months. Yeah, because, I mean, again, it's it's about not just supporting the actors and the um, writers, it's also just, you know, making sure that the industry bigwigs understand that, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, this and... actually surprised me. Okay, let's see. Uh, poster release for the uh, 34th Treehouse of Horror special. Oh, okay. Now, regardless about how you feel about the Dapper Carly and the Simpsons over the years, uh, even then, I still tune in for the annual Treehouse of Horror special. Like, it's just a Halloween tradition for me to binge every single Halloween special they've done. Cause, uh, and they're usually pretty good. Oh, yeah, they put a lot of work into these specials. Like, uh, they haven't uh, so far uh, revealed what uh, the plot is for each segment, but for the first one, it seems like Mars is battling some NFTs and crypto <laughs> uh, cringe. That's awesome. <laughs> Second uh, teaser, let's see, we have uh, an adult person, Nelsa and Nisa, and it might have something to do with Sideshow Bob. Uh, and finally, seems like some kind of disease is turning everyone into Homer. Oh, God. 
Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's sound. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch this. And I believe you got this next one. I added this. All right. Yeah, because this I kind of have heard about. Um, Warner Brothers Cartoon Network production workers petition to unionize amid Hollywood strikes. Yes. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. see, I kept saying, I think next uh, animation, like animators, they need to strike just because animation has been having so many problems with how they're being overworked um, and underpaid and underappreciated. Like, uh, it was revealed that the people working on Spider-Verse were, like, really overworked. And I think it's because not all of animation is under union. Yeah, like, uh, a lot of animators and animation studios aren't with uh, unions either. Because... Mm -hmm. um, as I think the only animation studio that is part of the union is Titmouse, and they're significantly smaller. Yeah, but this, you know, will help the, you know, this will help the animators, um, because they, like, you know, they deserve also proper pay, benefits, and everything. But the thing is, is like during, um, like the pandemic. The pandemic. They were the ones who were, like, still able to do work and make content, and they're still not getting, like, treated well. So that I just find complete, completely outrageous. Especially with how, uh, some Macs have been scrubbing their own shows off of the streaming network. Oh, yeah. People are super pissed about that, and I'm... See, and my thing is, like, okay, if you do that, you do realize that animators will not come to you with their animated pilots. If you're looking for a new animated pilot, it's not gonna come. It's not gonna come to you. It's gonna go to somewhere else. If you're like, um, Supergirls was deleted. Um, they're removing Steven Universe for some reason, which is one of their most uh, streamed shows. So, yeah, animation is in a weird place. It's like doing really well, but also not doing really well, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so hopefully this this is good news, you know? Things are going to hopefully get better. Uh, yeah, and, uh, okay, I got this next part. Uh, that, oh, no, wait, that's too... Okay, so, uh, DreamWorks Land is coming to Universal Orlando. This is replacing that Woody Woodpecker's kids um, um, section, which was, like, the child-friendly section of the park. There's was a Woody Woodpecker section? Uh, it was kind of themed after Woody Woodpecker, but it was mainly it called the Kids Zone. Okay, that and, just seems kind of weird. Because, I mean, Woody yeah. Woodpecker's not that yeah. popular anymore. <laughs> no, but, yeah, this makes more sense with uh, uh, Universal now owning DreamWorks and uh, how, they, how big the studio is. Mm-hmm. And they haven't unfilled all the details as that, as that uh, it's coming next year, supposedly. I want to say that's a smart decision just because um, the uh, when I was working at Build-A-Bear, you know what sold really well? Oh, what? The trolls stuffed animals we had. Ah, uh, yeah. and Branch sold really well, and they had a little... Um, do you remember, like, in the... Uh, there was, like, a, a, a little a troll that popped out of one of the other trolls' hair and his name was Tiny Diamond and he would like rap in the trailer. Um, and we had a little yeah, one so and if you squeezed his hand he would go, Tiny Diamond is my main and sing the little song. 
that sold like hotcakes. The kids loved it. So, yeah, this makes sense. Them utilizing it makes a lot of sense because kids love the trolls. I know they love Kung Fu Panda. And they also have some television shows, too, on Netflix that are popular. So this is a really smart idea. It just makes more sense to me than having Woody Wood. Oh, yes. Especially with uh, all the buzz Puss in Boots got last year. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the thing is... um. I, I like I know who Woody Woodpecker is, but it's like when I I saw that it was Woody Woodpecker, I'm like I don't think a lot of new ki- like younger no, kids know plus, who he is. You know, plus it hasn't done anything with him in years. No, and he's not like Bugs Bunny or um, mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse, where they're like the face of their company. Mm-hmm. Now this I'm excited about. Adult Swim oh, orders yeah, yeah, Lazarus, new animated series from Cowboy Bebop director. Oh my gosh! Yep. Ooh, ooh, uh, so uh, a couple of years back, uh, uh, Warner Brothers set up a division to uh, uh, work with several Japanese animation studios to produce original anime and even anime adaptations of their own IP. That's uh, why we got all those Footy Cooly spin-offs and uh, Housing Complex C on Adult Swim. And now this, Lazarus, and the upcoming Uzumaki adaptation. I'm excited for this. I, like, okay, so if you are not an anime nerd like me, Cowboy Bebop is considered to be, like, in the top, it's, like, top-tier anime. Like, like if you did a top ten list and Cowboy Bebop wasn't on there, people would probably riot. Like, even if you don't like it, there's kind of no denying its impact, not just, like, over in Japan, but also over in the States, because for some people, Cowboy Bebop was probably their first anime because it was shown on Adult Swim, and that was, like, before anime was more mainstream. Like, we had Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Evangelion, Tetsu Muyo, Yu Yu Hakusho, and that was kind of it for, like, more mature animes. So this is, like, a big deal. This is a guy who has a really great track record. So I'm excited for this. I also read the little plot description. It sounds really interesting. It's taking place in 2052. It follows a Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist that develops a drug called Hapuna, a cure-all that has the unexpected side effect of causing deaths three years later. So that actually sounds really interesting. And uh, let's see. And uh, the animation news isn't stopping there. Oh, yes. They, uh, Adventure Time spinoff, Fiona and Cake, is coming to Max April 31st. I'm excited for this. I watched yeah, the I knew trailer. even after Adventure Time. Yeah, Adventure Time is like my favorite show of all time. Like, it's the biggest show uh, Cartoon Network has put out. out and mm-hmm. I knew after it ended, they wouldn't be able to let it go. Uh, well, like, they've been doing those Distant Land and mini-movies. The Distant Lands are really now, good, too. Yeah, this... Oh, yeah, I heard a lot of good things about Together Again. See, surprisingly, I was worried I would hate those, but all of them have been good. I've liked all of them. And, like, I mean, I even think Adventure uh, Time is much, was bigger than Steven Universe was. Oh, like, wow. Because um, Steven Universe, um, Rebecca Sugar worked on Steven, uh, on Adventure Time before she got to create her own show, so she kind of owes, you know, Pendleton Ward a bit. But, um... So I know she also written the uh, first two Fiona and Cake episodes. Yeah, she did. I wonder if she's coming back to write. 
Well, um, they uh, did say she's making songs for this show. Oh, that's great. I love Rebecca Sugar's songs. Oh, yeah. The songs she makes are amazing. Even the ones she made back on Adventure Time. See, even though I stopped watching Steven Universe, I will still listen to some of those songs. The songs are a bop. I really, um, I really, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this because, again, I'm a massive fan. But I'm also interested in what we've seen from the trailer because, see, um, in Adventure Time, the Ice King uh, had, like, a, a journal. He wrote fan, 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 yeah, fanfic in. And he made a female version of Finn and Jake, Fiona and Cake. Instead of being a dog, Cake is a cat. So it's like, well, are they going to be real characters in this? And it looks like they might actually be, re like, real. Yeah, because it's set in some alternate dimension where there's no magic. It's in the real world. And Fiona seems to be working as a tour guide on a bus tour. And her pet cat, Cake, starts acting weird one day when she takes her to the vet. And... From the looks of it, it's going to take place in several different alternate dimensions and around the Adventure Time characters. I'm so fed. <laughs> like, uh, Tom Kenny even cheesed that during recording for this show, it was the hardest he ever cried while uh, uh -huh. reading the script because uh -huh. he said it was very emotional mm -hmm. for him. And for those of you who don't know, Tom Kenny is the voice of Ice King. He does. I think it's his like best role besides SpongeBob. Mm -hmm. Oh um, yeah, definitely. It also might be his longest role, also besides SpongeBob, because Adventure Time has been around for a very for for a while. Um, yeah, I'm extremely excited for this. I cannot wait. It's gonna be so good. Now you're excited for this. Oh yeah, um, Nickelodeon obtains the rights to the 1987 Ninja Turtles cartoon. Like, uh, well, I was wondering why this wasn't on Paramount Plus, and apparently it was because of, uh, some legal limbo between all the, uh, studios that produced the cartoon, but oh. it seems that Paramount picked up, or uh, specifically the division Nickelodeon, picked up the full rights, and now they're uh, airing on reruns of, uh, the Nickelodeon brand networks and their free streaming service Pluto TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, I okay. 24-7 Ninja Turtles channel. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. This is really exciting. Because even though I'm not like the biggest uh, TMNT fan, I still really love the Ninja Turtles. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, and this was the show that pushed them into the limelight. Yeah, because like, it was you know, a comic first, right? Yeah, it was an independent comic. Like, the comic was significantly darker. It was a... Mm -hmm. It was originally supposed to be a parody about how superhero comics were becoming dark and gritty, heady, and and like despite how the superheroes originally have ridiculous concepts to them, mm -hmm. and they thought, "Oh, let's do a a one-off comic book about a ridiculous band of uh, superheroes, but make the tone all gritty and serious." Yes. And like, because when you think about it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that sounds really silly. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I yeah, think but, that's why yeah. people kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when the uh, one shot proved to be a huge success, they were like, oh shit, we gotta make more comics. And then they a, uh, managed to get in touch with, uh, I think I forgot the name of the studio, but uh, uh they obviously toned down when they turned it into a Saturday morning cartoon, which oh, soon yeah. became a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. 
Like, like you got movies, uh, Pizza Hut tie, product tie, oh, tie-ins, yeah. video oh, games, So many toys, video games. A lot of action figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like they've um, worked with Batman. They've co-starred Archie comics and everything. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they are very iconic IP and there's a reason for that. So I'm excited for this just because I have not watched those that show in such a long time. Yeah, it's incredibly silly, <laughs> just to let you know. Well, that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles work if it's too serious. Yeah, and uh, surprisingly, uh, this caused controversy with a lot of uppity parents who complained, Ninjas are violent. Oh, my dad told us to be wielding nunchucks. <sighs> they wish. Dude, nunchucks are hard to use. You're going to hit yourself in the freaking face. Yeah, and... Because in some of the later seasons, they took away Michelangelo's nunchucks. What did they give him then? Uh, it was some kind of grappling hook he swings around. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, now this I haven't heard about, but I'm excited for this. Black Panther is EA's next Marvel video game. Which, I don't think Black Panther's had a video game. I'm not 100% no, sure. No, he never had one before. Oh my goodness. This is kind of big then. Yeah, and uh, EA even created an entire new studio just to make it. Oh, wow. And, uh, who, uh, okay, and this is the, let's see, I'm looking about it. It's founded by the former head of Monolith Productions who worked on those Middle Earth games for Warner Brothers. Ooh. Uh, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Oh, which are okay. like Kind of like a Dark Souls type game, but in the Lord of the Rings universe. Mm-hmm. And, oh, he even worked on uh, game franchises like Halo, God of War, and Call of Duty. Oh, so oh, he has some experience. Okay. Yeah, he has experience. And um, this is kind of really shocking that he's never had a video game before, just because... Especially with uh, how his film goes over a billion dollars. Yeah, but also because he's been around for, let me see, when was he established? In 1966. And even before, like, Spider-Man got movies, Spider-Man had video games. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, a ton of video games. However, um, we've talked about this guy before. Um, Ike Perlmutter, the original head of Marvel, really Whoa. didn't think Black Panther would be successful because for some reason he didn't think black people liked superhero films. It, it was weird. Two inch, two inch Ike is what my friends like to call him. <laughs> did, I, did I just t- tell you why that was? Is it because he's so short? No, it's because uh, allegedly when during his tenure at Marvel at the offices for, for the company, a woman complained about how they were low on supplies. Oh, uh, wait, you did tell me. A, yeah, because which was perfectly showcased his penny pinching tactics. This dude was like a notorious penny pincher. It was ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. Yeah, and that led him to button heads with both Kevin. Fiat Feige. I always Kevin did not like and him Bob from what I'm Iger understanding. Well. Yeah, Iger, both Kevin and Iger did not like him from what I'm understanding. So I think they were happy mm-hmm. when he finally retired. But this is exciting. Um, video games, like based on superheroes, have been doing much better, you know, in the past few years. So I'm genuinely excited about this. Well, it wasn't so much that he retired, but more like he was... Uh... Demoted and eventually forced to resign. Oh, okay. 
They probably were tired of having him around anyways. Yeah, definitely. He was one of the uh, employees let go during the big uh, uh, pink slip uh, company shrinking. shrinker. All right. So I know you're also going to be excited about this. We talked about oh, yeah. um, Mortal Kombat. They released a trailer revealing the... Um, unlockable characters now this is something mortal kombat it's has the dlc characters the dlc actually. right it's the first way the dlc they're doing um i think like mortal kombat has always done this where you can um either unlock or pay for like uh characters from yeah other since franchises. the uh, reboot in 2009 uh they uh for the ps3 person they had kratos as a guest character from god of war mm-hmm. and for the dlc expansion pack they shocked the world when the final character in that pack was Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember Freddy Krueger was in it. So, okay, I had to look up the list of characters just because some of these characters I couldn't tell who it was. But we have the most obvious one, I think, um, is what's his name? Omni-Man. Yeah, Omni-Man from Invincible, which our friend uh, Luffy, Luffy absolutely flipped when... Uh, they saw that. And on yeah. top of that, J.K. Simmons has returned to voice him. Yeah. And then we have Homelander from The Boys. I have not seen The Boys, but um, Homelander is like evil Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this yeah, character... Superman if he was a white nationalist. Yeah, and an asshole. <laughs> so, this is a character... I have to look. I had to look up who he was. His name is Ermac, and he is part of the Oh, yeah. Mortal He's a Kombat character franchise. from the Mortal Kombat series. Like... He's an amazing uh, of a bunch of souls and was ooh. one of the uh, top soldiers for Shao He's Kahn. Cool looking. Another one is I'm gonna. Ho- I hope I say this right. Quan Chi. Who... Oh yeah, Quan Chi. He was a sorcerer from uh, Nether Realm and the master to Scorpion when he died. I'm so glad I have you and your knowledge because mm-hmm. I only know like the basics. And then there's Takahata. Takeda Takahashi. Oh, yeah. He was introduced in Mortal Kombat X as one of the new generation of uh, characters. Like, uh, he was... He's the son of... Uh, uh, Kenshi, I believe his name is. He's the blind swordsman. And okay. he became... Uh, uh, and but and he became engaged to uh, Jackie Briggs, the daughter of Jax Briggs, oh. who was also another character okay. from the original games. Now, this one and I'm the- really excited about. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Home, not Homelander, Peacemaker. Peacemaker's going to be in it. Yep. Uh, That's so awesome. Uh, Somebody uh, actually some- commented it's like from like D-grade hero to star of a, of a film, a TV show, and now DLC. Peacemaker has had a good pa- past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with uh, his seat. So again, greenlit for a second season. Oh, yay! Yeah, I'm really excited about this game the more I hear about it. See, I'm kind of excited because you're excited for it. Like, I'm writing your vibes, so I probably will play this just because I want to experience it and see why you like it so much. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm actually excited for this too. Yeah, and I can only imagine how brutal Army Man's fatalities are going to be, especially with how uh, gory Invincible gets. Okay, this one to you. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, speaking of Invincible, season two is scheduled to premiere on Amazon Prime November 3rd. So this year? Uh, yep. Oh, awesome. 
And uh, now, for those who don't know Invincible, it's like, like, like a, so now it's a comic book uh, about the superhero genre uh, by Robert Cookman, best known as the mind behind The Walking Dead. And it was like a dark take on a superhero genre where the son of a famous superhero, Omi Man, he who finds mentioned? out his father, who didn't came to Earth to be its savior, but rather help prepare it for the invasion of his people. Yeah. He turns uh, out to be, like, he's been lying this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can get really brutal from the, uh, tech manager to go, and I even believe that in one issue, who, uh, when one of the father soldiers comes, she actually rapes the main character. Ugh. And I don't know how they're going to handle that this season. Ooh. Or if they even can. Yeah, they might possibly change that. We don't know yet. But um, th- there was like a bit... I just like looked at the article. There was a huge gap. It's been two years since this second season. They must have been like running behind or something. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, oh, it's because it's that. an hour. The episodes are an hour long. Okay. Oh my! Oh wow! That that makes sense. Wow. It, that's it took longer because animation takes a while. Yeah, and uh, the Typhoon Sofa they just released a little one shot, uh, episode featuring one of the uh, other characters. I forgot her name. Uh, hang on a Eve? second. Atomic Eve, I think. Oh yeah, Atomic Eve. Yeah, they. Give her own episode as sort of a stopgap to tie fans over to the premiere of season two. Okay, so this one's mine, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or do you want to do it? Because you love Rick and Morty. Eh, you can do it. I want to hear your impressions about it. Okay, so Rick and Morty, the anime, we got a, I guess like a, eh, it's not really a trailer. It's more like uh, a teaser, maybe? Yeah, like it actu- it's the intro, and it features an interview with the director. It actually looks really pretty. And you're like, probably wondering, wait a minute, why the hell are Rick and Morty getting an anime adaptation? Well, uh, for the past couple of years, uh, Adult Trim teamed up with a few uh, Japanese animators to do their own take on Rick and Morty as shorts for uh, the YouTube channel. And there were two specific shorts that... Uh, Done surprisingly well. Uh, both directed by Takashi Shano. Oh. And, uh... They apparently did so well, they decided to give them their own, uh, series. The animation now, looks f- really good. It's still gonna focus on the show's, uh... Themes about existentialism and nihilism, from but from a Japanese viewpoint. So, I think it can work, especially with how... So- Oh, surreal, uh, those shorts have been. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I'm just really surprised at how the the anime, like, looks. It's still, it's like, it's obviously anime, but it's still Rick and Morty. Like, you know, they still have the style of Rick and Morty. Because mm-hmm. originally yeah. when I heard this, I'm like, well, how are they going to do this? It's still anime in spot. It's still anime, but it's also still Rick and Morty. Like they managed to blend the two styles really well. So this has potential to be fantastic. Fingers crossed. Oh yeah, knock on wood. And this one's all you. Yay! Because I'm really I excited about this. this. As we were doing recording. I'm gonna finally see Barbie this week, but 
Weekend box office result, Barbie and Oppenheimer post historic numbers. So Barbie set the record for the biggest opening for a film directed by a woman. With a $162 million opening. Yeah. That is a- That's like 15 more than they thought it was going to be. I think they originally thought it was going to be $150 million, So it's yeah, 15 more. I think the original holder of that, direct, of that record was uh, Wonder Woman. Probably, yeah. So then Oppenheimer also did really well. Um, it's, um, let me see. Hang on, how much did it? $82 million opening. Yeah, and this is for something that's like not based on an established property. No, it's um, a biopic. Yeah. So they, it cost $40 million to make. And already in the weekend, it is made... 80 million and globally it has made 174 million so it has i think i think that's three times its budget that it's made back holy shit hang on 37 divided oh wait that says not 170 million that's actually more i think because like 40 million times yeah it's made a lot back which has just been again very surprising because you know there's been this sort of weird idea in Hollywood that if a movie's going to make money, it has to sort of be based on something that already exists, which is not 100% true. So, I don't know. It just it seemed kind of weird how so many people are kind of shocked that Barbie is doing so well. But it's Barbie. She's literally the most iconic doll to ever be created. Of course, people want to go see it. And also, Oppenheimer is directed by Christopher Nolan. He has had a fantastic track record. Oh, definitely. I mean, Dark Knight trilogy. Um, Inception. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's made a, like a bad movie yet. And the thing is, also, just a lot of people don't know who Oppenheimer is. This is based off the man who created the atomic bomb. And another thing is also, um, people just really, really like films about war. I'm not sure why we do. I think it's like a way for us to kind of learn from our past, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So this is like yeah. the only bad movie. I, well, I don't think Man of Steel was that bad, but like he also did Interstellar, which I still haven't seen. Dunkirk, which I still haven't seen. There's a lot of films I need to catch up on. And Tenet, like he's not really had any bad films. So it's like, of course people want to go see this. This is someone who knows what he's doing. And also, at the same time, he's been very open about how he's not going to um, make anything new until, you know, the strike has been settled with. So, yeah, again, I I feel like it's weird that people are like, why are these movies doing so well? It's like because people have been wanting to see these movies ever since they've been announced. Yeah. Oh, wait, should we also talk about Barbieheimer? Oh, yeah, but... uh... There's been a trend of combining the two films because they're premiering on the same day. And they're so vastly different. Yeah. And in a way, it's kind of helped the movies do better, I think. Because it was not Barbieheimer versus Oppenheimer. It was Barbie and Oppenheimer. And it's just been so fun to see people's creativity. Like, I've even seen somebody who... They did a cosplay where half of it is Barbie and half of it is Oppenheimer. I'm like, that is so freaking clever. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been really interesting. And I think somebody was like saying, it's like, you know, it's kind of refreshing to do a thing where it's not a movie versus another movie. I'm like, yeah, me too. Because 
I kind of wanted both of these, you know, films to do well. Are you gonna go see Oppenheimer, Jad? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, my dad would be interested. He likes war movies. Uh, I think the only war movie I ever really loved was Letters from Iwo Jima. Are you? Oh, that was a good one. Are you oh, gonna? Yeah, that was. Are you gonna go see Barbie? Uh, I. I'll see. I. I'm kind of embarrassed to just go up to the back and said, "One for Barbie, please." <laughs> I'm seeing Barbie this weekend with my fiance. I'm I'm dragging him to it, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm buying him. It's like I'm buying you food. I'll buy you food. You have to come see Barbie with me. So, yeah. Um, and now it's time for recommendations. Oh yay! You first. All right, finally, after years of waiting, Nimona is here, and it is fantastic. So, Nimona is based off a graphic novel by M. N.D. Stevenson, who later went on to make Lumberjanes, and also she worked um, on uh, She-Ra. She was the creator and executive producer. Um, I think they're currently trying to make Lumberjanes into an animated series. Um... She's done a lot of stuff like in the the art industry and animation as a whole. Um, she's working right now on two uh, uh, two book series right now. But she was the one who wrote Pneumonia, and that's been like in production hell for years. And we yeah, finally like, got it. At first, Blue uh, Sky Studios managed to get the film rights to do an adaptation, and. They were then the parent company Fox was bought out by Disney. Then Disney shut down Blue Skies, leaving the film in limbo, even though it was nearly done. Yeah, and I think part of it was because see, like Andy Stevenson, she's part of the LGBT community, mm -hmm. and um, the characters of um, Ballister and Ambr Ambrose, they are in love, and it's like you can't just like get rid of that relationship in this. In the film, because if you do, it changes the story completely. So, um, the basis is that um, there's this guy named Balliser. Um, he lives in a world that's like medieval and futuristic at the same time. It's really cool. There's a institute of elite knights who was established by um, their like the hero of all heroes, Glorith, who years ago she killed this mysterious black monster and protected the people. Now. Um, uh, Ballister has always wanted to be a knight. He was a, a commoner, um, and people, like, didn't think he would actually become a knight, but he managed to. However, on the day he gets knighted, his, uh, sword, the one that was being used to knight him, it kills the queen. So he has to go into hiding, and he manages to meet Pneumonia, who thinks he's a villain. And just the, the, um... What's the word? Oh, what is dynamic? It yeah, the dynamic between Nimona and Ballister is hilarious and perfect. Nimona's like the, just the most chaotic gremlin of all time, and she also is a shapeshifter. Um, so like she's just she's super chaotic, and I love her. Poor Ballister is trying so hard to reel her in, and he can't. But also, I really love the relationship between him and Ambrose. And Ambrose is also based off of one of my favorite. Like I guess, I guess you could, could say like influenced Eugene Liang from the Try Guys. Eugene is the only um, non-white Try Guy, and he's also the only one who is openly um, gay. And he has, he's done so much for the community. He has done 
he uses his voice as much as he can to, you know, talk about, like, really important issues. So for him to be in this movie is such a big deal to me because I'm just so... I'm so happy for him because, like, he's always talked about him struggling growing up. And now here he is in an animated film. And they also based, um, they also based, like, Ambrose's, um, design on Eugene. So Ambrose looks like Eugene. So it's just, uh, like, I was so happy when I found out that Eugene was going to be in this movie. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my boy. Look at my boy, everybody. My boy. I'm just so proud of him. Okay, now... One thing I like about me and Jad's relationship, we know each other pretty well. We've been friends for years. And so sometimes I'll recommend something and Jad picks it up or Jad recommends something and I pick it up. And he recommended 1990-something. I started reading it and I love it. (laughs) Oh, yay. It is so good because, see, it's about a bunch of teens in in the 1990s. But it's also very clever because it also talks about like big like certain issues and everything um the kids are really into music and you know i kind of relate to that and i also like that there's a black character like this is like this i was like this girl is me she is obsessed with animation and she wants to be an animator it's like i was the weird like artsy black girl that was me um but also what i really like is how um like the subject of sort of like a religious hypocrisy comes up a lot and it's handled really, really well. It's like the guy who writes this, he's just really clever with his writing. Like, it surprised me. Um, and I genuinely like the characters. Also, I think one of the reasons I ended up liking this so much is there's a character named Jocelyn. And she starts out, when they meet her, she's dating a girl. And she oh, she and this girl, oh, they yeah, don't have a good... They don't have a really good relationship. Relationship, yeah. At all. They argue constantly. And when Jocelyn, you know they're talking they're having an argument she mentions that she's bi and her girlfriend says like you're not like she's basically decides to be a biphobic lesbian which is unfortunately something bisexuals have to deal with a lot Mm -hmm. i'm a bisexual and people who invalidate my like identity it's not just guys it's also unfortunately women who are into other women this is a major problem and he handled it so well so it's like well you know what i think i'm gonna stick with this comic and i really am glad i did it's really well written it's all online. Just type in 1990-something, and you'll find it. Oh, yeah, and it's easily digestible. Like, it's a full mm-hmm. panel strip and the Sunday color page, like those old newspaper comics. Yep, it's really good. Highly recommend it. Same here. And, uh, okay, now for my recommendations. Uh, this is a game I've been uh, hooked on re- recently. Persona 5 Royal. Now, uh... This is a remake of the Alice RPG Persona 5, but with uh, more content, a new semester, and more characters and abilities, etc., etc. Et now, Atlas, they're a Japanese uh, game developer who have quite a lot of experience. They're responsible oh, yeah. for the Senmu Gami Tensei series and its spin off Persona, with each uh, Persona type being self contained and focusing on different characters, like traditional RPGs of Japanese RPGs often do. And uh, this is the remake of Persona f- uh, 5 and uh, reason and and let's see uh, uh, and oh yeah that's a clear story. You play as a silent protagonist who who is on probation after punching this guy who was harassing a woman but 
the guy had some powerful political connections and framed it so oh, that the teenager assaulted him. So now you're on probation in a different town. Um, and one wrong move and you'll wind up in jail. Oh, that's However, sucks. you soon find yourself in a world based on human cognition where these asshole adults who have a warped view of reality, they have a cognition called a palace which is based on the warped desires. Ios. And you team up with several other outcast students and to, and to form a band called the Phantom Thieves to steal, enter the cognitive world, uh, cha- steal the treasure of the corrupt uh, adults in order to change their hearts and force them to confess their crimes. Oh, nice. It is very Japanese. It has a striking anime art style, cel-shaded art style. And it's different in the Disney RPG because it's also like a social, almost visual novel feel to it. Like, you're not calling the dungeons and invading palaces. You're living the life of an everyday Japanese teenager uh, with things to do, old characters to talk to, who get part-time jobs. Um, and all stuff that can help you uh, in the uh, cognitive, uh, cognitive world in your exploration and combat. And it can be a bit daunting, especially if you're not good at time management. But thankfully, there's some guides out there that can help you uh, know when to plan accordingly and help get all the uh, trophies and achievements. And it can be a bit daunting for first-time players, but it is a strong recommendation of mine. It's on just about every system out there. It's on, on the PS5, Nintendo Switch, Steam, and if you have Xbox Game Pass, it's also on there. Oh, cool. I have yeah. one of the Persona games in my Steam. I've been meaning to play it just because I think, I think I saw John play that, the one I have. And so now I really want to play it. Oh, awesome. Okay. And, uh... Another game that I um is not as big, but I deserve of uh, get some recognition. Uh, Sam and Max Save the World. Now, Woo. this is a remaster of the first season of Telltale Sam and Max Point and Click Adventure series. It's like uh, for those who don't know, uh, Sam and Max Hit the Road uh, was a Point and Click Adventure game by LucasArts back in I believe nineteen ninety three. Yeah, and it's based on uh, artist cheaper sales underground comics of the same name, Sam and Max. And they became a cult classic amongst uh, PC gamers and adventure game advocate fans. And unfortunately, when the series dried up, uh, the planned 3D game developed by LucasArts was cancelled. This led to a lot of former LucasArts employees finding Telltale Games and... They managed to work out a deal with Steve Purcell to produce one season of Sam and Max Point and Click Adventure Games that were in an episodic format. At, and uh, this skunk, then came Skunk Cake Games, which was made up of a lot of former Telltale employees to focus on Point and Click Adventure Games. And they did a remaster of doing remasters of the uh, Telltale series now. Uh, with uh, better... A lighting and graphics, a full orchestra soundtrack, and a better interface. Yeah, because so, I uh, think the first games, they were in like a pixel style, right? Yeah, Simon so Max Hit the Road was in a picture style. Yeah, that's the one I played. It's uh, really yeah. fun. I love it. So, uh, Simon Max Hit the World, they're on uh, 
uh, Steam if you want that classic point-and-click feel, but they've also been ported to consoles as well. Mm-hmm. So, strongly recommend this if you're a fan of offensive games or if you like games with a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. It's very funny and also very tongue-in-cheek. Like, it's so much fun. I highly recommend it, too, just because I've played uh, one of the games. So, yeah, highly recommend. Okay, so I guess that's it for this episode. Yep. Next time, we're reviewing the Water Babies. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, you're in for a treat. Well, okay. thank you guys so much for being patient and sticking with us. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.